The Physician's Road. Create your life in medicine, on your own terms. Today, we are on the path to wealth. Today, on the Physician's Road podcast, we are joined by Josh Metal, Director of Physician Lending for Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. We discuss the issues that many physicians face when applying for a mortgage from a traditional bank, why it's best to use an expert who is familiar with the debt loads and payment arrangements many physicians have, and as a great bonus, Josh gives us access to the MLS or multiple listing service so that we can do our own research with accurate data, not the marketing data that you find online most times. You can go to thephysiciansroad.com forward slash mdloan, again thephysiciansroad.com dot com forward slash MD loan to create your own free account. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free yourself today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Physician's Road. Today, we're on the path to wealth, and I'm happy to have Josh Metal here from the Physician Group at Fairway Independent Mortgage, and he is Director of Physician Lending. Now, I've known Josh for many years now. He was um, kind enough to have me on his podcast uh, many years ago, and it was, I think we had a great time on that. I think we got a lot of good information out. I got a lot of good feedback um, from Josh's listeners, and I wanted to be able to return the favor today and have Josh on because we have a lot of physicians out there who are going to be buying their homes or have bought homes in the past and don't realize that there is such a thing called a physician's mortgage, which can be a great benefit in your financial arsenal in terms of being able to, um, I would like to say, stretch your dollars or have your dollars working more effectively for you. So for, from that standpoint, I'm going to introduce Josh and let him take it away and kind of introduce himself and, and tell us about his company. Eric, thanks so much, man. It's uh, glad to be here. Um, and I have been a, a follower of your website and, and your writings on your blog and uh, appreciate uh, the wisdom that you have shared uh, in your email updates over the years. So uh, glad to be here with you and your listeners today. Thank you. I, a little bit about uh, our company. Uh, you know, I think we started in a unique fashion where I started working with just a few physicians from the University of Utah and quickly found that they were running into stumbling blocks and qualifying due to the normal restrictions of uh, uh, student loans, um, closing on future employment income, um, not wanting to put 20% down on jumbo loans because they could allocate those funds to paying down debts or they, they were behind in their preparation for retirement. And so we started creating some vehicles to some mortgage vehicles to help them get over those hurdles. A few years into the process, I was called by a young man who was literally driving across the country in a U-Haul van full of their possessions with his wife, two kids and a dog. And literally on the way to the University of Utah to start his residency, he got a call from his loan officer that was from one of the one of the big banks that were the purveyors of physician loans. And the loan officer on the other end of the phone said, you know, we're really sorry, but our underwriter has declined your mortgage loan. 
And, you know, the, the young physician did everything he could not to crash the U-Haul van uh, because literally the next day he was to sign the closing documents. They were going to move in over the weekend and then orientation for the residency started the next Monday or Tuesday. And now he was homeless with a wife, two kids. And how, how, how do you fix that in 48 hours and starting a grueling residency schedule? And that story, unfortunately, was not the only one that we heard like that. And what we figured out was there was a problem with the way that big banks were underwriting mortgage loans, especially physician mortgage loans. And what we, what we figured out, how everybody, you know, you don't, you don't really know how everybody else is doing things. You just know how you're doing things. But what we realized through hearing these horror stories was a physician would call a lender and say, hey, I need a loan. And they would say, great, how's your credit? Good. Uh, how much money are you going to make? 20000 a month. Here's your pre-approval letter. You know, and, and they would go out and, and try and find a house. And unfortunately, when the employment contract came in and it made its way to an underwriter and the application came in, they said, whoa, what about these $250,000 in student loans that showed a zero payment? But we certainly have to equate for those somehow in our analysis and or we have to you know, factor that into our analysis. And whoa, wait, whoa, this, this employment contract says you're an independent contractor. You're now self-employed. You don't have $20,000 a month in income. You have zero. And the problem was most of these big banks that are purveyors of physician loans weren't getting into this level of detailed analysis until somebody had fallen in love with a home and had, you know, showed their kids, this is where your new bedroom is going to be. And uh, as I illustrated in that case with the young resident relocating across the country, that can be a pretty traumatic experience. So what we did is we re-engineered the process of qualifying for these loans We've compiled about six or seven different loans that lend themselves to physicians and their common challenges. And we have recreated uh, the conveyor belt, if you will, or the process of underwriting a loan, where we actually have our underwriting team do an analysis on the borrower's uh, employment contract, student loans, assets, all of those factors that are going to qualifying. We have them do that before they find and fall in love with a home. So that when you're driving across the country with your family, the phone call is, hey, I just want to let you know you're closing doctor at the title company, and uh, we look forward to you know, make sure you have your keys tomorrow versus your loans decline. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's a little bit of the background on our company and, and why I believe we're very different than most banks. Perfect. And so that's exactly what we wanted, because that's a, that's a good point of differentiation. And so... I think you touched on it, but can we go a little bit deeper uh, in terms of what a typical bank, when they're underwriting physicians, let's just say, and we can go at different levels, but let's just say uh, resident, um, fellow, uh, new attending, how is it that banks usually look at those types of uh, individuals? Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it really comes down to a decision based on cost for most banks. So if I'm going to if I'm going to involve an underwriter who who is not a chief employee, uh before a client has found a home, you know, only a fraction of those of those clients will actually find a home and then they'll write an offer and it'll be accepted and and then they will decide to use us as the lender. So maybe 75% of the clients that most banks talk to don't actually end up closing a transaction with them. And so from a cost perspective, they've just decided, look, we're going to do fast, easy, cheap 
low cost pre-approvals. Then once you find a home and commit to do a loan with us, then we're going to bring in the underwriter to analyze the loan and make sure we can actually do a loan for you. But the problem is, from the consumer's perspective, by time that underwriter, who's the gatekeeper of the transaction, looks at the file, you've already made a commitment that that's where you're going, and you've made plans and movers and you know shown your kids this is going to be their bedroom. So we just change that process. And, and what we do now is we'll gather all of the employment contracts, if there's a relocation involved or a new job, um, income, assets, credit, all of the pieces that need to be underwritten. We have our underwriters pre-underwrite that data before we issue a pre-approval letter. And then when we issue a pre-approval letter, we actually call it a credit and income approval because it's been reviewed and credit and income approved by an underwriter. Got it. So to make sure I'm clear in my own mind with the process of how it normally goes is these banks might salivate with the fact that you have an MD behind your name, look at potentially what you're going to make, give you an early pre-approval, but it's really not what we call kind of a scrubbed process where they're really doing a deep due diligence dive on your assets and your liabilities until you've agreed to, to go down that particular pathway with them. And basically what you're saying is you flip that process and said, you know what, we're going to do the deep dive on the front end to give you a, a true and accurate depiction of what you can actually afford to buy and what, what, you, what your company would be actually willing to extend in terms of um, loan. That's exactly right. And, mm-hmm. and, and in, in this market, in 2018, that process is more important than it was when we came up with the process. Um, I, I wrote a book called Why Physician Home Loans Fail, How to Avoid the Landmine for a Flawless Home Purchase. I wrote that book in 2014. I think it came out in 2015. And at that point, we were only in 13 states. So I wrote that book because I realized there was physicians in 37 other states that we couldn't advertise to or get to. But I wanted to get this information out so people were, were properly armed uh, with the information to have a flawless home purchase. Um, you, can, you can go to the website, www.wipositionhomeloansfail.com, and get information uh, about the book there. Uh, but in today's world, in 2018, that process that you just described is so much more important because there is incredible competition for real estate today. You well know this that on a, on a residential home in a good neighborhood, in a fairly priced home that's in decent shape, in many areas of the country may have three, four, five, ten 10 different offers coming in on the house at the same time. Absolutely. Well, what we really didn't, we didn't really know about our process was, well, geez, if we do all the heavy lifting up front, then once you find a house, we can actually get you from contract to close in many instances in 10 to 17 days. So if there's five offers and all the rest of those offers are with financing to close within, let's say, 25 and 45 days, I think the national average is 41 days with a finance deal right now. But let's just call it you know, 25 to 45 days. And our offer says, we'll close in two weeks. What that means to the seller is, hey, if you take our offer, number one, we've done all the heavy lifting. So the underwriter's already approved the borrower, right? We just have to underwrite the collateral, meaning the property. And so, you know, it's a, it's a real offer. And number two, uh, if you take our offer, you don't have to make the next month's mortgage payment because we're going to close and pay off your loan before you make your next mortgage payment. So why wouldn't you take our offer over the other five? And so as an unintended consequence, 
uh, a good unintended consequence, we find that our clients have a much higher level of offer acceptance in multiple offer situations because of we because of the fact that we've done the heavy lifting before the offer was written. So we, I guess in the business, we call that a unique selling proposition. So how yeah. would, so how does someone convey that to their realtor that they're using if they happen to be using you guys? Right. And so um, how would somebody go about, how would somebody go about conveying that, you know, you can, cause it, I'm sure you don't want to guarantee that you can close in two weeks, but how is it that that is communicated to the realtor in such a way that they can make that kind of strong offer um, that could potentially raise someone's, contract to the top of the pile? Yeah, it's a great question. We wrestled with that exact question for about two years. And, uh, you know, first we started with the, re- with the buyer's realtor, just saying, look, you know, we've done all the heavy lifting, just write a two week close. Then we thought, well, maybe we could call the listing agent the, as a lender. So we'll actually call the listing agent and say, Hey, Eric, I just want to let you know, I'm calling on your listing at one, two, three, easy street. Dr. Johnson is going to be making an offer. And let me tell you the due diligence we've already done. Final files and through underwriting, great credit scores. We've already done all the, you know, we, we tell them this, this, this is a done deal if you're willing to accept the offer from our buyer. Just in the last 12 months, we said, well, what if we could do even better than that? On top of those two things, what if we could stack the deck, really stack that unique selling proposition and value? And so for our clients that have gone through a full credit and income process before they write an offer, we issue with our pre-approval letter a second document that is a 17-day guaranteed close. The certificate you know, has our logo and says you know, the terms. And that, those are calendar days, not business days. And it says that if you accept this offer and we don't get, give the clear to close and send closing documents to the title company within 17 days, we will pay you as the seller, we will pay you $250 a day if we don't hit this 17 day timeline. And we've been beta testing that in, in you know, kind of growing uh, frequency for the last year. We've, we've never missed a closing. And uh, our clients tell us that it has been a massive differentiator in their offer, in their ability to have an offer accepted versus three or four others that come in. Wow. Now that that's, those kinds of kind of what we call outrageous guarantees um, definitely tend to put businesses above and beyond um, their competition. So let's take a quick step back, okay? Because we, we did a deep dive kind of into your all's process with your company. But let's take a step back for the newbie. What is a physician loan? Why is a physician loan different than a, con- a conventional loan that they would get somewhere else? Yeah, great question. So um, the biggest differentiators about a physician loan is uh, let's take it from a kind of a macro um, viewpoint down. Basically, uh, the lenders, because there's more than one bank that does these loans, but the lenders are saying, listen, we know that the probability of continued income and therefore payments on physician loans, um, you know, uh, they're also available to dentists. We have them available to veterinarians, even, even some CRNAs now. Um, but but the probability of continued income and therefore payments is higher with the, with these medical professionals than just about any other uh, uh, subgroup in the country. So since we categorize these as lower risk, we're willing to to make a separate set of guidelines that would not be uh, the same guidelines like a conventional or a jumbo loan would have. And the main uh, variations in those guidelines, the more liberal underwriting guidelines, as I call them, 
would affect a couple of key points. The first one is that they will go to higher loan to values and require lesser down payments. So for example, our company will do a 95% loan to value up to a million dollar loan amount. So you can buy a million fifty house and put $50,000 down and do a million dollar loan amount. There's no mortgage insurance on that loan. Uh, and, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. That would really be the second point. But, but you can go to higher loan to values with less down. If you're in the lower price ranges, down around the $450,000 to $500,000 price range, you can do as little as 3% down. And all of those loan types are, are, are not going to have mortgage insurance as well. And I'll, I'll touch on that. But let me tell you one of the, some of the reasons why uh, physicians should think about putting less money down on a mortgage, even if they have the ability to put more money down. Number one, most physicians that I meet, I think you're the exception, Eric, but most physicians that I meet are late to the game when it comes to contributing towards retirement because they're just trying to keep their heads above water to get through you know, grad school, med school, uh, residency, fellowship. And they find themselves out the other end as an attending, now making good income. But it's hard to make up for that 10 years of lost in retirement contributions. So we've got some financial catching up to do. Most physicians graduate with a high level of student loan. And I see an incre- I mean, oh my gosh, not to mention just student loans now. I'm seeing consumer loans from SunTrust and um, all these online um, um, uh, unsecured loan companies that uh, have, I'm seeing just more and more debt coming out of residency fellowship and, and med school. So it gives you a chance to, even if you have more money for down payment, to pay some of that higher interest rate debt off. And as you know, um, it, you ha- it creates a potential tax deduction. You can write off the interest on your mortgage up to 750000 under the new tax laws. So it gives you an ability to put less money down have more money earmarked for retirement or more money to pay down liabilities. So that would be number one. Number two, you've got no mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is a premium that a borrower would pay each month to protect the bank in case the loan goes into foreclosure. So we call it a bad kind of insurance because it doesn't protect the person who's paying for it. It protects the bank. And uh, it's not tax deductible in most instances. So it's very costly. It doesn't protect you and it's not tax deductible. So you, you're going to get around mortgage insurance in, in pretty much any, every physician loan that I know. And then in terms of the underwriting guidelines, Eric, they're more accommodating or liberal. So they're going to allow you to close on the purchase of a home without a paycheck stub in hand. A conventional loan requires two paycheck stubs. You got to have 30 days for the paycheck stubs before you can close. So it allows you to close on a future employment contract Usually you can close somewhere between 90 and 60 days before your first day on the job. And it will have more liberal under, uh, underwriting guidelines in regards to how it looks at your student loans uh, for the debt calculations. And it's just easier to qualify for all around. Perfect. That's exactly what we want. And then just a clarification point. Can you explain at a first grade level what loan to value means? Yes. Thank you. Um, so if your loan to value is the proportion of loan to the value of the home. And so what that would look like is if you bought a million dollar home and you wanted a $950,000 loan, you would be at a 95% loan, which is the, the 950000 to value, which is the million. And for a typical loan, what is that normally um, the place? So the typical loans that people that 
people get out in the world? What is a typical loan to value that they that they have to stay within? Yeah, typically you can do a 95% loan to value up to a $453,000 loan amount. Those these change, conventional loan limits change each year, but that's what it is today. Uh, but if you put down less than 20%, you have this forced insurance called mortgage insurance, and that's going to add on average about 1% to the cost of the loan. So if you have a 4.5% interest rate with 1% mortgage insurance, you're really paying like 5.5% for the first 11 years of that loan, which is about how long it takes for it to amortize down far enough, the loan to amortize or pay down until the mortgage insurance drops off. If you want to go into a jumbo loan, Eric, anything over that 453000 then usually it's a 20% down payment. So if somebody wanted to buy an $800,000 house, they'd need a $160,000 loan with a, with a conventional jumbo loan as compared to a physician loan on an $800,000 house to put forty grand down. Gotcha. Perfect. And that's what, that's where I was going to go next was to ask to define a jumbo loan and then how does the physician loan space work with jumbo loans, but you just answered that. So that's perfect. Um, so let's talk about some, some special situations. So well, actually let's start with the process of getting a mortgage. So let's just say someone is a newbie. What, what advice would, do you like to give clients on the front end in terms of what they need to have gathered for you, but just to say any mortgage process, what is it that they need to be aware of and have document wise? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm also going to make a free copy of my ebook. So not a printed copy, but the ebook copy uh, available to your, to your members. And I will, I will send you that email after the interview. You can put it in the show notes. So if someone wants to get really, you know, detailed in this thing, I've, I've written a whole book on it. You can check, check through the chapter summaries and go right to the information that you want. But what I recommend that they do is regardless of what lender they're working with is that they insist on a couple things. Number one, you don't want to have one of those, Hey, how you doing? Yo, yeah, no problem, Eric. We're good to go. We'll send you that pre-approval letter right on out. Don't have that conversation it, 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 with a lender. It, it feels easy, but it is, you know, like, like the sugar high that wears off and you don't feel so good. Um, so you want to get, you want to do a full application with the person that you're going to do your loan with. You want them to look at your credit. Everybody's really worried about them looking at your credit. Look, credit is scored from 350 to 850 points. It is a massive scale. A mortgage inquiry is going to ding your credit three to five points. It is a drop in the bucket. Don't worry about it. You may not want to go out and have 20 of them pulled and you may not want to have it in combination with opening a bunch more student loans and a credit card. But you have to have your credit pulled and have somebody actually tell you you're good so that you don't get surprised that, oh, man, I didn't think that medical collection or that AT&T bill was going to come back and haunt me. And now I don't qualify for a mortgage. You've you got to go through that process. Have them look at your credit. Have the lender look at your credit. Get them your income documentation. This is never more important than if, A, you are starting a new job and you have an employment contract versus paycheck stubs. Or B, you are self-employed or 1099 as an independent contractor. Those are huge landmines, massive landmines that people get burned at the last minute. So you want to get that documentation to the lender as early as humanly possible. And then you want to talk about your liquidity. How much cash do you have? How much reserves will you have post-closing? Because every bank has a requirement about that. And then once you've given that information to the loan officer and the loan officer said, hey, that looks good, you should insist that an underwriter looks at that data. 
hey, Eric, I'm, I appreciate you looking at my documentation. Thanks so much. I'm glad that I'm pre-approved. Do me a favor. Can you have your underwriter review my employment contract and liquid reserves and just make absolutely certain that there's no landmines hidden in there? And, and, and if you insist on it, usually a lender can get that done for you. Perfect. Now, can you define what liquid reserves are and what can be used as liquid reserves? Yes. So if you put 5% down on a, on a $500,000 house, okay, we'll call it $25,000. And then let's say that you've got $5,000 in closing costs. So your cash to close is going to be $30,000. In addition to that, most programs will require that you have between three and six months liquid, uh, liquid funds as reserves and, and three to six months worth of payment. So let's say your payment on that $500,000 house is, well, let's just say $3,000 a month. So they're going to want to see that after you bring in the $30,000, which is your 5% down plus your closing costs, you're going to have somewhere between $9,000 and $18,000 left over in liquid reserves. So post-closing, you have a little bit of liquidity. Why? Well, if you're closing on an employment contract, you're not going to get that income for a couple months. Uh, and, and oftentimes, underwriters know that when you buy a house, your spouse, uh, I know my wife is guilty of this, they decide that all of your furniture sucks. And you're going to need brand new furniture for this house and moving expenses. I mean, they're just, they're just are. There's moving expenses. And so they want to see that there's some liquidity there so you don't run into a cash crunch. I think you had one more question, and I yeah. think I, I lost what it. You, so I didn't hit it. What can be used as reserves? Ah. Yeah, that was it. Thank you. Uh, so um, every bank is a little different on this, but typically you can use a retirement account up to 70% of the value. So if you got $10,000 in a retirement account, you can count 7,000 of that towards the reserve requirement. Of course, the CD can be used fully, any cash. Um, some, under, some programs will allow you to even receive a gift from a family member to satisfy that reserve requirement. Uh, any brokerage account, you can use the full 100% value. Retirement accounts are discounted by about one third. Gotcha, perfect. So now let's move into, I think we've done a great job of giving an overview of what physician loans are and what the process is of closing through them. Let's now talk about some special situations uh, when it comes to buying property. So let's talk about condominiums and kind of how they're viewed in the lending world. I know a lot of physicians, if they're in medical school or residency, like I bought a condominium when I was second year medical student. Um, and so I know that there are some special situations when it comes to condominiums. How do yeah. banks and underwriters look at condominiums? When the financial crisis and mortgage meltdown happened, there was virtually no segment of the mortgage market that was hit harder than condominiums. So, so the first thing you should know is this isn't about you. It's nothing personal. There were entire buildings in Las Vegas and Seattle and San Diego and Miami oh. and... <laughs> Yeah, Florida, 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 uh, that, you know, literally lenders lost hundreds, if not billions on a single building. So they came up with these um, pretty restrictive guidelines that said, all right, essentially what they say to you is, you know, Eric, I have to underwrite you as a borrower. And even if you are flawless, I also have to underwrite the HOA. I want to see that they're putting 
So allocating some money each month towards reserves. The guideline is 10% of the HOA uh, budget needs to be allocated for future reserves because they know if you're not, right? If you're not putting 10% away for capital improvements, you're going to have a capital call, right? The HOA is going to have to do a special assessment at some point. So they want to see that the HOA is planning ahead. They want to see that there's certain number of HOA members are not greater than 60 days delinquent in their HOA fees. They want to see that one investor doesn't own greater than 10% of the HOA complex of the, of the units, because if the one investor goes down and they own 20%, you pretty much tank the values for the entire project. Uh, so there's, some, there's a condo questionnaire, which is sent to the homeowners association that needs to be filled out. And then depending on the loan type, they will ask for budget. They'll ask for CCNRs. They may ask for the minutes from the last two HOA meetings. Uh, they'll ask if there's any pending lawsuits. I mean, it's, it's, it's a financial oscopy uh, on the HOA to get that approved. So uh, what's the takeaway? Uh, no plan for a little longer close on a condominium because there's more due diligence. And know in the back of your mind, there is a potential that there's going to be a problem to buy this condo that has nothing to do with you. So you better have a backup plan for your family. In other words, if you're selling your house and you're out and you're going to have the U-Haul packed up and you're driving across the country and if that condo loan doesn't close on on time, you're, you're SOL, you need to have a backup plan. Like if that happens, I have an extended stay. It's all good. Uh, just, just plan ahead for your family. Got it. And you said CCNR. What does that stand for? Oh, thanks. You're so good. Uh, covenants, codes, and restrictions. So uh, every uh, condominium, uh, uh, planned unit development, um, uh, what's the other one that I'm, uh, co-ops, they're all going to have these uh, mutually binding agreements that, that, that governs how the association or the condo association uh, is, going to, is going to operate. So can you have dogs? Can you have a barbecue on the deck? Can you, uh, turn your condo? Yes. Can you rent your unit? Yep. That's right. You got it. Perfect. And so condos just put in the back of your mind that you may have to, that that they're not just going to underwrite you. They're going to underwrite the building as well and the association as well. So it's multiple step process and you need to, you need to have a backup plan potentially in place. Second, kind of situation that comes up a lot is the whole rent versus buy while in medical school or residency or fellowship. So you're not an attending. You may be in a space for a certain amount of years. Now, granted, I know there are a lot of variables, um, but what as a loan officer who's done probably thousands of loans and and has seen situations, where do you come down on, or how do you think about that thought process, I should say? Yeah, I was just having this conversation yesterday and I think the answer is it depends. <laughs> um, if the, always right. It, it, if the decision is being made in San Francisco, then I would probably give the advice that it's going to be. So here's the factors: How affordable is the area you're going to buy in? Is the payment that you're going to pay for a mortgage affordable and reasonable? And can are you not stretched so thin that if God forbid something happens to a family member or you're out of work for a little while or something that you didn't anticipate happens. No problem. I've got a flush fund. I'm living below my means. We're good. I can still take a vacation or I can still have some meals out. If it's comfortable and affordable, 
then I think that's one very strong indicator that you might want to look into buying. If it's not on the buy side, just rule it out. Just don't stretch yourself to the point that everything has to go right in order for you to make your mortgage payments on time. That's a bad situation to get into. So when you talk about that decision in San Francisco, it's probably a better idea to just rent. And if you got some extra money, invest elsewhere. Um, okay, now the next consideration. How, how is the market doing? Is, is, is the economy that you're buying in vibrant and expanding with a low unemployment rate? Or is it, you know, like we could use the, the illustration of Detroit a few years ago, as the cars, the car industry kind of left, there was the commerce just kind of dried up. So just be aware of what's going on. Are there businesses moving in or moving out of where I want to buy in? And I, I think the last consideration has to be, you know, how long are you going to be there? If you're going to be there for 24 months, everything has to go right for that to work out for you. Or you have to plan ahead that I'm rolling this into an investment property, which I don't, what I think could be a great, a great strategy. But it, it, you don't want to put yourself in the position that I may have such a short window that it has to go up in value or I'm in big trouble. If you have a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year period where you could hold the property, then even if you time the market wrong, uh, time forgives all in real estate. And I'm so gracious for that because I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always tell people. Like if you if if you can hold on to the mortgage, just wait. It will come, you will be that's fine right. eventually uh, from that standpoint. And so right. I know on our end, when we're talking to to investors and other people that we're just advising um, about kind of this buying during a window of time where you may not be there an extended period of time is to go into looking at the real estate as almost an investment, not as a retail buyer from that standpoint, meaning you have to understand what the market is doing. You have to understand the market fundamentals. You don't have to become an expert, but you know pretty well you can you can pull up the Bureau of Labor and Statistics and see your people moving in and moving out or jobs being created. You can Google kind of U-Hauls in and out, kind of migration in or migration out. These are all easy things that you that that you can do, um, and if you get a good agent in that particular market, they can show you the history of the market in terms of pricing um, in that way. And then I would say, put in the back of your mind, if you had to rent this property, is it at a price point where renting will at least allow you at the very least to break even? Which you know I'm not necessarily a fan of, but you know it, it may you know it. Some people will do it at the very least break even. Um, if you had to rent it. And so that's kind of how we look at it from that, from kind of the, the investor standpoint, uh, that side. And um, it's pretty much echoes kind of what you're saying from that stand, from your standpoint as well. Um, and so let's just kind of open it up now. I think we've gotten through most of what I wanted to do for kind of a basic understanding of these situations. So what didn't I ask you? What is it that you want to convey to an audience that let's just say is new to the physician mortgage world? Um, what is it that you what they that they need to know from your experience? Yeah, um, uh, if I was out there looking for a physician lender, what I would want to see is that uh, the person that I'm talking to on the other side has had a vast experience with dealing with physicians and can sense the problem before it becomes a problem because they've, they've been down this path with hundreds or thousands of physicians in the past. So I would encourage folks to not be intimidated to, um, to ask questions deeper than what is your rate? 
the question that should also be asked is, hey, let me ask you a little bit about your clientele. Could you provide me with five to 10 physicians that you've done loans with in the last, uh, in the last 90 days? And would you mind if I reached out to one of those or, or, or could you see, you know, if we could speak to them or do you have testimonials or if I Google your bank and client mortgage reviews, what do they look like? What do people on Google and Angie's list and other sources, what are they saying about that mortgage professional and their company? Do they close late? Is closing a nightmare? Are they stuck in a U-Haul van because the, the loan wasn't closed on time? You really want to think through those things because, you know, an eighth or even a quarter percent difference in rate, yes, it's 17, 25, 50, 60 bucks a month. That, that is no, it's not inconsequential, but trust me, being homeless with children as you're supposed to start a job is worth 20 bucks a month. So you want to, you want to think through not only what kind of products do they have, but what kind of reputation and history do they have serving physicians? I think that is drastically overlooked and something that should really be thought through. Okay. And, and just to parallel on that, um, uh, it, 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 I think there should be a similar due diligence done in the picking of your realtor. So a mistake that I'm seeing people make a lot, and this is especially costly in today's market because the competition for housing is, is near all-time highs, but they will go on to Zillow, which I need to say something about that before we get off, but they'll go on to Zillow and they will see someone who's positioned as the neighborhood expert and click them and assume that this person has some kind of expertise. The reality is that Zillow and Realtor.com and Trulia are media companies, and their revenue model is to capture your information, to sell it to as many realtors and loan officers as possible, and then for the realtor that says, hey, I'll pay you X number of dollars a month, and we're talking thousands of dollars a month, Zillow will make them into the area expert. That has zero to do with their ability to give you good advice or to advise you. And especially when you're relocating across the country, you, you want someone who knows the areas around the hospital systems, knows the drive times, knows the schools, knows physicians in the area, and has served physicians before. So spend a little more time in due diligence and going deeper than they look good on Zillow and their rate seems to be the lowest because that is a recipe for being homeless on the day you're supposed to close in your house. Got it. Do you have any uh, tips about choosing an agent? Yeah. Um, th th what we have figured out because we struggled with this, trying to you know match up good good uh, realtors. We partnered with uh, uh, a local realtor that is a uh, broker for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and he has literally gone out across the country and has found a bunch of realtors in major metropolitan areas all across the country that have family, I mean, you know, their spouse is a physician, their father's a physician, their brother's a physician, and they know these markets that, the, that local physicians live in, and they deal with relocating in and out physicians all the time. And so uh, he's gone out and he's put together a pool of these realtors across the country. Anybody can reach out to me at any time and I can make an introduction to somebody that, that we've done business with before that has served physicians pretty much anywhere in the country. Okay, perfect. That's, that is absolutely helpful. Uh, any closing thoughts on informational standpoint? Because after that, I'm going to let you kind of do a, do a nice commercial for your company and how people can, can reach you. Uh, but any more informational closing thoughts before we move there? I'm a little intimidated about the commercial. We'll see how I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, let me just leave you with one maybe closing piece of advice. 
finding a house in 2018 and getting your offer accepted is difficult. Um, if you don't have the right tools to actually look at the market and educate yourself, see how fast homes are selling, see and, and um, get yourself acclimated to the price points and what you're going to buy, it makes it exhausting to find a house. I recently discovered that Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, as I mentioned, these companies are not real estate companies, they're media companies. And why that distinction is so important is because media companies don't have a live feed into the MLS. It's called an API feed, which is a live um, insertion into the multiple listing services that gives them live data. What they buy is a copy of some of the MLSs, so they don't get all the properties, on delay. So I was recently at a seminar and I watched them do a uh, pulled up the live MLS from a realtor login as compared to what was on Zillow. The discrepancy rate was 47%, meaning that 47% of the data on, on, on the MLS was not accurately on Zillow. Said another way, you're wasting 47% of your time or you're informing yourself with 47% wrong information. Um, I had a, a, a client just the other day say, I'm looking at a home on Zillow right now. It says it's active for sale, but I called the realtor and they said the home closed three months ago. And so as a buyer, if you, if you think of all that false information that's being fed out into the market, you're now thinking that the price that, that you paid for homes three months ago is the same price for homes being paid today. So you're miseducating yourself with bad data and wasting a tremendous amount of your time. So I'll also give you guys a link to an app that our company pays a tremendous amount to have a, a subscription to. It's a live feed into every MLS system in the country because it, 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 the, the company who owns the app, the house hunting app, actually is a real estate company. So they have the act, live access to every MLS. We don't sell your information. You're, you know, it's all, it's all private. And uh, you have that live feed. So you get a search for homes exactly like a realtor would. So that's my last piece of advice. Just make sure your mechanism for educating yourself is live data, not solely through one of these media companies. Wow. I mean, that alone, that, if you just offer that to our listeners, that, that value is through the roof. Uh, and as someone who is a real estate investor, getting access to MLS data is like the holy grail um, for us, live time in that way. So um, yeah. I did not expect that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, appreciate that immensely. Um, and so go, so let's roll out your company. We'll, we'll put all this information in the show notes as well, but for those who are audio who may not have the ability to get, get the show notes, go ahead and, and tell everyone how they can, can reach you um, and get in contact with you. Tell us about your podcast, all of those things. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so you can, you can reach us at, uh, probably the best website would be fairwayphysicianhomeloans.com. You can also just Google that. Uh, our, the book website is whyphysicianhomeloansfail.com. I'm also going to give you another super secret link that you can go in and just pull down the ebook if you don't want to pay for the paperback version. And I'll also give you, uh, our, our podcast is the Physician Financial Success Podcast. You can just put that into iTunes, Physician Financial Success, and you can pull some, you can find that there. Um, and as I said, I'll give you the link for the uh, Home Scout app. That is the app that gives you a live API feed to every MLS in the country. A little bit about Fairway. I'll be brief. I don't want to bore anybody to sleep. 
Fairway Independent Mortgage is uh, a company that is built around 10 core values. And uh, what I think is unusual about Fairway as compared to other companies is the entire organization is actually run with integrity to these 10 core values. And one of those that I think is most important to a consumer is speed to respond. We also like to have fun. Uh, so when we go through the mortgage process, we're sending gifts and doing fun things to clients to surprise them. We, as soon as somebody goes under contract, Eric, we send a, a, some stress-free tea via, via Amazon next day to their house. And we say, hey, enjoy the stress-free tea. Uh, turbulent flights land safely 99.9% of the time. We got this. So we do some fun stuff like that. But the speed to respond is really the differentiator with this company. And that runs from the executive team and the CEO all the way down. So if I need something as a loan officer or, or, or a director of position lending, I get a response like that, which enables me to give a response to my clients like that. So I'd say that's the big differentiator with Fairway. We're the fifth largest uh, retail mortgage company in the country. So it's uh, uh, Wells, Chase, uh, Quicken, Bank of America, Fairway. So big company have access to pretty much every program that uh, is imaginable. Perfect. That I think sums up everything perfectly. And just for people who are listening, Josh spells his last name M-E-T-T-L-E. So if you want to be able to Google him, you can. So uh, M-E-T-T-L-E. So I want to thank Josh Middle for being with us today on the Path to Wealth. Again, he's the physician group lead at Fairway Independent Mortgage, and he's director of physician lending. I want to thank you all for listening to the Physician Road podcast today. Please go to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform of choice and subscribe so that you can get our latest episodes. Please also at iTunes rate and review our podcast. Five stars are best, of course, um, so that we can have more physicians find us. Lastly, you can go to thephysiciansroad.com to find our guides and resources. Thank you for listening again, and we will see you next time on The Physician's Road, where you create your life in medicine. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free your today. Thank you for listening to The Physician's Road, where you create your life in medicine on your own terms. Please go to thephysiciansroad.com and sign up for your free guides and resources.